the gang from the Caddyshack as they slice their way into your heart, drive you out of your skull in their never-ending search for a stroke of genius. Chevy Chase. Rodney Dangerfield. This steak still has marks where the jockey was hit with. Ted Knight. And Bill Murray as Carl. They all get together at the Caddyshack. Caddyshack, rated R. Now playing National Westwood, Chinese Hollywood, and others. Welcome back to another episode of Reconcinimation. I am John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And I'm Brent Hutchins. And here we go. The uh, the Triangle of Terror is back together uh, looking at another movie like like we so often do from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And uh, what are we, what are, what could we possibly be checking out today, guys? The, I, well, there, I mean, 70s, 80s, and 90s movies, that's, there's literally dozens of films in the list. <laughs> That we it could be looking forever. at. It rolls right off the desk. <laughs> dozens and dozens of movies, as far as I know. Um, but I mean, I think I'm feeling sporty. I'm feeling, yeah, you know, right. I'm feeling outdoorsy, sporty. Uh, what about you? Well, the, yeah. When you say outdoorsy, sporty, I mean the only thing we can do is, uh, you know, going through our old SNL-related uh, film history. It's time to do Caddyshack, my friends. Time to hit the. Oh lens. my god! Oh my god! We're gonna we're gonna do the front nine and the back nine. We're, we're gonna. Yep, it's uh, all eighteen holes. We're gonna do them all. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take care of all eighteen holes here at <laughs> Caddyshack.com. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, so way back way back in episode two, I believe of of our entire show. Uh, we looked at National Lampoon's Vacation uh, with, the, of course, the Chevy Chase classic. Uh, last year, we took a look at National Lampoon's Animal House. And yeah. this year, it's time for Caddyshack. Let's keep in that same, same vein. What are you, you ready for it? I'm never ready, but yes. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Brent? Yeah, yeah, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Let's do this. Perfect. I like to just spring, you know, the movie on you guys. Uh, like, just, you know, we, we all, of course, are here at Recon Cinema Studios and just you, we're ready to record. But I will, once we go on the air, that's that's when I tell you what we're covering. That's how I like that's it. That's right. Keep it spontaneous. Right. Very, very much like Caddyshack itself, this will be, this will be an improvised podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Caddyshack is... God, it's probably one of the most beloved comedies of all time. Whether or not, I don't know, and we'll get into, like, all right. how does it really hold up now? But, I mean, it, it is a much-loved movie. Yeah, it, it's definitely sure. on everybody's list, for sure. Yeah. You know, when, when, you're, when you're asking people about what their, what their favorite uh, comedies are, this one seems to always pop up. No, there's definitely a list where Caddyshack shows up most of the time i think yeah like top top 20 top 25 you know influential uh mm -hmm. rewatchable uh enjoyable films uh, of all time of comedies yeah i've probably seen this god i don't know 25 30 times and i 
I love it. I, I love the movie. There are, there are some problematic things going on it for sure, uh, but I, I do love the movie as a whole. Excellent. When was uh, David? David, when was the first time you saw Caddyshack? Me? Um, it was it was uh, in the eighties and mo- on TV for the most part. I would think for for a long time. Um, a perennial favorite uh, things you'd see on cable, <laughs> summertime viewing, weekend, uh, afternoon cable movies, uh, um, HBO mainstays. So I, to say. When I first saw it, and and my first impressions is uh, Im- almost impossible. It's almost like, do you remember the first time you had, you know, a, a, a delicious cheeseburger as a child, a a, a delicious salad? I, I don't know. I don't remember the first time, but I know I loved it. So, um, yeah, you were a fa- you were a fan of it from when you saw it, like whenever that was, or back in the decade of the eighties. I mean, as a child, I probably wasn't a fan of Caddyshack, but I was probably laughing and enjoying it for sure. You know, not like a fan of anything before the age of 14. I don't know if that's fanaticism or just, you know, kind of going with the flow. But yeah, no, Caddyshack, funny. Like people, funny people on it, funny. Chevy, funny. Bill Murray, funny. Uh, Rodney, funny. So yeah, I mean, uh, this, this had everything I needed. Uh, what about you, Brent? What was? Do you remember uh, roughly when you saw it for the first time? You know, I, I I'm pretty sure it was in high school. So like, unlike unlike uh, Vacation and Animal House, which I saw when I was much younger, I don't think I actually saw this until uh, much like you, John. In in high school, I worked at a at a at a video rental place, and and mm-hmm. I think when I was working there, I watched it. And uh, you know, like. I'm not sure that I'm in the the group of people that that like absolutely adores and loves this movie. I think I probably missed it, but at the time I was probably I probably told everybody I liked it just so I could fit in. But <laughs> but I think I think I think the humor in this kind of misses my sensibilities a little bit. But it's uh you know mm-hmm. like I get I get why it's popular. I get why uh, why uh, you know there are a lot of fans. I just don't know if I'd count myself as one of the main ones. Hmm. Yeah, copy that. I, I, I get that. So, all right, we got a couple of different points of view on it there. I remember seeing it, I want to say it was 1988, I believe, or 89. It was during the summer, and uh, I used to go to summer camp, and but I would stay home with my dad on his day off. Uh, so one day, I think it was one every Monday, like I, I didn't go to camp, and I would stay home with him. And he would almost always rent a movie that mom did not want me to see. So Uh-oh. one was like, yeah. So one was RoboCop. You know, uh, I think Predator was in there. Um, a couple of the movies of that ilk. Uh, and Caddyshack was one. So that was, and, and I, I always remember being a big Bill Murray fan, probably from Ghostbusters. So I loved, you know, anything he was in but at that time it was really only like ghostbusters and scrooged and saturday night live that would have been on my radar mm-hmm. um but yeah i i loved it and of course as an eight-year-old you know 90 percent of those jokes went way over my head um so i rediscovered it when i was working at suncoast in high school i rewatched it and that's where i really really 
fell in love with it. And we've talked about that in our Groundhog Day episode, my love for Bill Murray. And and uh, it was just, I did a, a big deep dive into Bill there. And I've seen it countless times through college and since. And, and I think my perspective on it has changed as I've gotten older. And there's some things that don't, you know, I don't love as much as I used to. But the thing that I find about this movie is that you can, there's so many things happening like in the background and with the side characters that crack me up. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can watch, you know, Dr. Beeper or the priest or, you know, especially Ted Knight, everything, their, re- their reactions are, are so good. So even if like Chevy Chase is, as, or Rodney's got the dialogue, if you look at the other people in the scene, there's a lot of good comedy of what they're doing. And, and that's kind of what I'm catching now. You're seeing the additional, you know, the additional layers of comedy that being being thrown into the the visual of the film, not just the yeah the the, the focus of the of the scene. Right, and that's something like you're only going to get that on multiple rewatches because clearly yeah. those main four are eating up the scene, and you're you're watching everything they're doing. But once you've seen it. <laughs> certain number of times you're going to, you know, really check out what everyone else is doing and like Spalding and, and a lot of the, you know, side characters. It's just, it's, it makes it kind of a different experience, but really great. And, uh, of course, you know, this movie is not an official national lampoons movie, but doesn't it, doesn't it really feel like one? Um, it certainly has the tone that, that very, I think heavily influenced by the, the Harold Ramis, uh, you know, kind of thing of it all. I mean, with him at the helm uh, directing this, I mean, it, it, it's it got that same sort of feel, that, that National Lampoon's kind of absurdity of, uh, you know, blue-collar slobs versus snobs style. And that's this is that movie to a T. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah, even, and it's even not... If, it, even if it doesn't have the National Lampoon's name on it, it definitely is rooted in that in that world. It comes from the same the same place, right? Yeah, it's and it's not just Harold Ramis too. It's it's uh, Doug Kenny and Brian Doyle Murray and Harold and and even Chevy Chase. They all, you know, came from uh, not just they all came from Second City and National Lampoons. But Doug yeah. Kenny was really you know pretty much the main voice of uh, National Lampoons. And and you can check out uh, our episode on National Lampoons Animal House in the archives. And we really do a, a breakdown of the creation of National Lampoons and, and how it you know, began at, at, as the Harvard Lampoon and Doug Kenny and, and a, a bunch of other people took it and made it its own national magazine and then the National Lampoons Radio Hour and, uh, and then segueing into uh, uh, feature films with Animal House and how huge of a movie that was. I mean, you know, Animal House's impact was huge, especially for, for decades. I, I don't know if you'd say that it was now, but uh, it was, you know, there was a, it was a huge movie and was a big springboard for a lot of these guys' uh, careers to start. So have you guys have you guys looked at any of the old National Lampoon's magazines? I've seen I've seen I've definitely flipped through some not flipped, but like, you know, a lot of them are online and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm aware of it. But I, I don't have I don't have physical co- issues myself or anything well, of like course, that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, of course, you know. But like, it certainly was its own 
its own beast of a thing. So, uh, so I've seen things that have popped online, although I, I'd say, geez, if I have seen any of those, that's probably been more than 10 years since uh, I've looked at any of that old stuff, like from that era and all of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's all it's all very, you know, the, the dark kind of irreverent comedy and and really like a lot of it is just shock value. You know, the, the of course, the famous picture with the someone holding a gun to a dog's head and the dog just kind of looking sideways at the gun. Like, yeah. you know, really funny and really dark. But uh, that that was Doug Kenny's type of humor. And, and you could see glimpses of that stuff in Animal House and, and the other pieces that he wrote. But uh this is uh, Caddyshack is is kind of a combined effort from uh, Doug Kenny and Brian Doyle Murray and Harold Ramis, all, each of them kind of piecing together stuff from their own background, their own upbringing into this movie. You know, Brian, I think it really started with Brian Doyle Murray writing a story about uh, his experience as working on a, on a golf course. And, and actually, Bill Murray worked on. It as well. Bill ran like the hot dog stand and, um, you know, Brian Doyle Murray was a caddy and, and Harold Ramis, I think, spent like one summer as a caddy as well. And uh, so they kind of started getting some ideas together and, uh, you know, with with Doug Kenny's kind of humor. And, and he, he added a lot of like the Zen Buddhism kind of storyline. He was trying to write a whole separate uh, Buddhism related comedy and kind of you know threw that one away but took some of the ideas of it and morphed it into caddyshack you can see that in chevy's character quite a bit that if absolutely yeah yeah that's the kind of that's where the thrust is there yeah and that's where you know like kind of that that uh otherworldly like no 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 like all that whole thing came came from right Mm -hmm. like that was kind of the the brainchild of, of of that yeah yeah, definitely. That's all. That's all from Doug Kenny. And then you know Harold Ramis ended up because these guys were all friends. Harold Ramis ended up taking the, uh, you know, I, I think turned to Buddhism because of Doug Doug Kenny. So uh, that that concept stuck around. So uh, and these guys were all after the success of Animal House. It was a big deal of what was going to be their next movie. What were they going to do? How were they going to? kind of catapult or, or not just catapult but keep themselves at that next level um so it was it was uh, an interesting time to see how these guys were gonna keep their careers going and chevy you know a lot of this does tie into saturday night live and things that were going on there of course chevy chase i don't know i wouldn't say i'm a big saturday night live fan i wouldn't say he was the lead of season one but they definitely leaned on him quite heavily and and he left the show i mean the show made him a star and uh he left like three or four episodes i think into season two and was uh trying to get his uh, his film career going which didn't take off right away he did a couple movies with goldie hawn uh one of which Oh, I just forgot the second one, but Foul Play. Foul, uh, oh, yeah, it, was, foul play it was, was seems like the, seems like old. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Foul Play was kind of the one that put him on the map, though, right? Like that was the one that really like kind of made him a star. Am I remembering right. that correctly? Yeah, he did a movie called Seems Like Old Times, uh, and then Foul Play, and Foul Play was uh, was a hit, and that was 
finally, you know, he, he also tried to, he was supposed to have his own, I think, variety show on NBC that never really happened. And it, it took a couple of years after he left SNL for, you know, his star to really kind of catch on. Man. But the, yeah, if Foul I, Play was the I, movie if, that did it. If I had a quarter for every failed uh, show that Chevy Chase tried to do, I'd, I'd, I'd probably be pretty rich. <laughs> do you Sorry. remember the Chevy Chase I'd, show? I'd, I'd, I like I like Chevy Chase quite a bit, but I'm in. That guy's tried every like. I feel like for a time, every every month or so, he was trying a new show, and it didn't it didn't take. I do remember the Chevy Chase show. It didn't last long. No, and and thankfully, you know, with that going off the air, made room for Conan O'Brien. Yeah, well, I have no complaints with that. No, no. So Fine thank you, too. Chevy, yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for Brian Doyle Murray, he had uh, he had bounced around between Second City and uh, the Lampoons and Saturday Night Live a couple of times. Um, he was kind of all over the place and but always in the mix he, he was always involved somewhere with these guys and and then you know brian doyle murray had a, a still he's still around doing stuff i mean it feels yeah. like in a way in a way he may his he may not have been as big of a star as chevy chase but his career has like feels like lasted longer than chevy's has because you still see i mean didn't he just pop up in veep last the, the last season or two yep Yep, yeah, he, he pops up. He still pops up all over the place. Um, yeah. And I feel like yeah. I feel like just just going back a little bit. So like with with Brian Doyle Murray. So like obviously Bill Murray, his brother, is a, is has over his lifetime been the bigger star. But at this point, and I know when this was filmed, Bill Murray was beginning to be really really popular. He was already a really big deal. But like early mm-hmm. on, I feel like Brian Doyle Murray was kind of much more in the mix of things, and it wasn't until a little bit later that Bill started to take off and obviously really started to overshadow him. But Brian Do- Doyle Murray was kind of like he had his hands in a bunch of different things, like going oh, yeah. back to yeah. to you know the the what Second City and and all yeah. that you know like I mean he was he was kind of a and and you know the the lampoon and all that so i mean like he was kind of he always had his hands in there he was always writing and he was behind the scenes and then bill kind of like just exploded and and became like a, a major star but but yeah. yeah brian doyle murray was kind of even at this point was like a very like well-known like contributing person in this like little comedy world that they that they all like sprung sprung forward from yeah absolutely yeah he was I, I think people forget that, that he's, you know, he had a big influence, especially back in the 70s uh, and into the 80s as well, uh, before, you know, you, like you said, Bill exploded and became, you know, the megastar that, that he is. And, and Brian Dole Murray started taking, you know, smaller side roles like you'd see him in Vacation and Christmas Vacation and Wayne's World and, and Groundhog Day and, you know, always related to the other either Saturday Night Live people. You know, I think it seems like he stayed in good contact with Lauren Michaels. And uh, he was just yeah. kind of, it felt like he was all over, even waiting for Guffman he's in for a second. Yeah, he pops up everywhere. Yeah. Like, he really does. Yeah. He, and he I love the guy. Work. Brian Doyle Murray likes to work. He's got, I mean, he's got that personality. He's got that voice. He's got, 
you know, he's he's a character. He's kind of a character actor in that sense, but also like a utility player. He'll he fills in the the need for whatever like supporting character you need in one scene, and shows mm-hmm. up like and understanding like his his role. Uh, to, and he's just he's funny. He's just he's just that mm-hmm. guy. He understands where his role and he likes to work. Like he's not he Brian Doyle Murray was never like trying to be a star or even a lead. Right. Um, and anything, you know, he, he knew where he was, um, you know, so like where him and Bill were coming up at the same time, Brian probably writing a little bit more, I think over the time, but knowing like, you know, Brian knowing he'll, he'll, he won't be that lead guy, um, uh, sort of fills a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of holes for, for, mm-hmm. for yeah, other he's, projects. He's, he's like, he's like the, you know, the support king you know like he just supports right he's he's always playing it and he's always he's always in that kind of support role but he's he delivers mm-hmm. and he's great because he'll yeah. do film and he'll do tv <clears throat> like he does he, he'll do them both he does voice acting cartoons all that stuff he understands like what he has um uh, he he i think he works more than bill murray does like yeah. over the last yeah. 30 years um, he's probably say, easier to get a hold of. Bill Murray likes to disappear. <laughs> right. Before. Well, yeah. Br- Brian doesn't have that 800 number you got to call. So Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, a lot of this story, you know, it feels like a lot of it really came from him as well. You know, his history. I think it was Indian Hills Club in Winnetka, Illinois, was where he and Bill used to work. And, and they grew up hanging around. Um the, the baby Ruth in the swimming pool story was a, was a real thing that happened, except it wasn't a baby Ruth, of course. Did you guys ever do the baby Ruth prank? Ever? Growing up? I did not. Did you? No. Oh, yeah. No. I feel like oh, you yeah. did. <laughs> I definitely did. Am I the Wait. only one? No one else No one else did the baby Hang Ruth on. prank when they were growing up? <laughs> Are you an <laughs> asshole? <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely uh, matured as I've gotten older, but as a as a young teenager, uh, I may have been known to, you know, uh, 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 you know, bump yeah. up against authority and and push the boundaries <laughs> at times. Oh I don't think uh, the baby. I mean, and the baby Ruth thing is not. That's like that's like lower tier, <laughs> but. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. guys never did that. Okay, it's just me, I guess. All no. right, never mind. Cool. I feel oh, like you. I feel going. like you did it last week. <laughs> no, not true. Yeah, not true. Um, but wait, like, did, did did is the baby Ruth story in the Brian Dole Murray's world like not a candy bar? Is that what you're saying? It is or, not a candy bar, and the true right. story was oh, it was dear. not a candy bar. But yeah, <laughs> the okay, reaction was it. the same. So yeah. Um, in my in in my prank, it was a candy bar. Just to be okay, good. Clear. I'm not. <laughs> okay, I'm not fair. an animal. <laughs> uh, who else? Yeah, the the Maggie character came from Brian Doyle Murray. The Haverkamps, that that elderly couple that I also think is hilarious. We're all based on <laughs> yeah. real people that he he either caddied for or worked with, and. You know, so a lot of the, the, you know, the original idea, and I guess let's talk about this. The, the original idea for this movie was a story about the caddies. That's why it's called Caddyshack. And, oh, yeah. and you'll see, you know, as the casting process, uh, you know, occurred, how that changed and really changed the whole direction of the movie. But um, that was the yeah, original I mean, genesis can, of it. 
I mean, you can tell from the opening scene of this movie. Uh, I mean, or it, it seems to me from watching the opening scene of this movie that the tone of that opening scene is very different than the direction the movie ends up going in. You know, like it mm-hmm. opens with this huge, like, I don't know, I, I like Irish Catholic family, and they're like all there's like kids coming out of like every it's like absurd. nook and cranny of this house and uh <laughs> and, you know kids. like obviously yeah it looks like it's gonna be oh this this is this is this dude's story let's let's buckle up and see what he's got going on you know and then yeah yeah obviously the the movie goes somewhere completely different i mean he still plays yeah, a and, throughout but right well, the, the Danny Noonan character is based on Brian Doyle Murray, and that his you know huge family is based on the Murray family. I mean, there was nine nine siblings in in, in the in the Murray household, so uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, I have two kids in my household. Nine <laughs> That's would enough. Be, nine would be yeah. Two's great. Two's, two's great. Nine would be I I I don't think I'd be gone I I don't think I'd be alive I don't know how you could do that would not survive I grew that. up in I grew up in Scranton Pennsylvania which is a Polish and Irish and Italian coal mining town uh, and my best friend in grade school uh, it was six six kids in the house which to me at the time was a lot <laughs> like that was yeah. just and they they were ranging like to me. My best friend was like a middle cat, a middle child essentially, and then mm-hmm. his brothers seemed like they were like men, and his his littlest brother seemed like he was a baby in a sense, like yeah. And uh, you know, the the entire generations growing up in the same home, uh, but also under the same parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, no, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, the the big question was was what were these guys gonna do? And and as they kind of got this treatment together, they uh, you know pitched it to Warner Brothers and and Mike Medavoy and and Orion Pictures, the great Orion uh, uh, film distributor of the eighties. Yeah. Uh, yep. So they huddled up at uh, Warner Brothers as they kind of formed this idea together and. You know, this was the big push for uh, Harold Ramis to direct, and this was going to be his shot. And I think there was a lot of nervous energy about whether he was the right person for this or not, just because he had no... He's a writer, a great writer, and even a performer at Lampoon's and Second City, but never really a a director. So when they... I heard heard in one interview that... uh, that I saw with um, the associate producer, the assistant producer, that that the studio had asked him to come up with like a list of ten other potential directors that could they could pivot to if uh, Ramis right. didn't work out, and uh, yeah, thankfully that didn't yeah. happen. But yeah, they were they were nervous. Yeah, he had a big he had a big target on his back, and John Peters, the executive producer, and Mark Canton, uh, the the line producer, who were both who both have gone on to become mega producers uh were you know always watching and and trying to keep uh you know an eye on everybody there and report back to the studio and you know there was always a poss- the possibility that if it went too far off track that they were going to pull the plug on Harold and that would have been it for what ended up being an iconic 
uh, comedy career that uh, again that we we covered a lot in, in Groundhog Day, but this is the early the early days of it. So um, a lot of yeah. pressure for Harold, and he surrounded himself. I think wisely they they gave him a really good uh, veteran cinematographer who who worked with him about you know how to formulate these shots. I mean Harold had just with a lot of first time directors you're going to have that problem of they just do they just haven't thought of this stuff before or on this scale right. you know they may have done some short films or short shoots but when you have you know 100 you know 70 100 people on the set all waiting on your decision that's a lot of pressure and can rattle some people i think yeah. i think that was a lot of the initial uh, a lot of the initial nervousness and then seems like the tone changed a little bit when the dailies started coming in and and the it, like everybody back in California thought they had some really funny stuff but also started to notice that it was going to be really really difficult to cut it all together. Yeah, well that's the thing with this movie. I mean, the original script was like 250 pages which I don't even I can't imagine it's so weird cuz this whole movie by the end is really like the separate segments you know it's not really like there's not really one story that flows throughout i mean it it starts out about danny noonan's story but then as soon as you see chevy and bill and and rodney it's like no this is kind of about this is about something else and all these scenes are just sequences that don't necessarily relate to each other right and there's no way you're going to get that cast together and not make the movie about those characters like i mean of course and yeah crazy like they're all hilarious leading comedians you know i mean in in Mm -hmm. different in different respects you know like rodney dangerfield this may have been his first movie but he or his first big big role at least in a movie but i mean the guy was headlining in vegas for years and years and years like and he was crushing it on carson you know like so yeah 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 he was he was definitely not not a rookie to comedy. Well, the thing, no, like, then. if you if you had lesser known people or you know, not not as heavy of hitters, uh, it, this would feel much more like an ensemble kind of like movie, or at least like you know a vignette, <laughs> like lots of vignettes of things going on, you know, bouncing around to different like conflicts and storylines and all of that. But you know, this there, there's such a there's a particular star quality to Rodney and to Ted Knight and Chevy and Bill that, you know, as soon as you start focusing on them, you, you almost forget that the Danny Noonan character exists. But even rewatching it this week, I realized I'm like, well, Danny Noonan has a lot going on in this film. Like a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, yeah. there's just so much going on for him, but he's, he's just this one character. And I think the character is lost to everything else going on. It, it's not, it's not a it's not a bad thing necessarily, but I think it's like the intention kind of goes out the window once you realize like well you can utilize like the heavy hitters uh, a lot better, um, and I think the audience just sort of gravitates to the heavy hitters more or less. You know, it's like it's like trying yeah. to do like a movie with like a lesser known star or a, you know just a lesser known actor, but then you know if, if if then you you give a bunch of supporting scenes to like if you were to do a movie today of like. George Clooney and Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and all these people were in it and they're not necessarily the main characters that you open with. You're only going to remember those big names, you know? So I was going to say like timing it out, there's lots of Danny Noonan stuff going on in this movie, 
more so than yeah. you would think. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. And I think to your point, he just gets overpowered by the performances of kind of the the other more well-known actors in the movie. And you know, like you know, and I think a lot of that vignetting that we mentioned is just you know, uh, this movie was, you know, kind of it was there was heavy improv. I mean, the Bill Murray character uh, right, he was like a late minute addition to the to the movie itself. Like the Carl character didn't even exist for for the longest time. So, well, yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, this whole movie was made. It's like it was <laughs> made in reverse, sort of, because the script was originally about you know Danny Noonan and Tony Denunziato and uh, 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 hold on, I said that name wrong. Tony Denunzio. And the Maggie character and Lacey Underall and all of those guys. And then everyone else was just going to have small parts. But as they went through this casting process and the idea came, you know, Warner Brothers wanted a name. They, they needed a name for this movie. It couldn't just be these, these kids. And, and uh, it was the funny thing was for the Danny Noonan character it was between Michael O'Keefe and Mickey Rourke. Oh, wow. wow. Can I, I can't even I can't picture Mickey Rourke in this role at all. I mean, great <laughs> I actor, know. but is he? He's not. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's really suited for comedy. He's a uh, he's pretty intense. Uh, yeah, oh. I think they they made the wise choice. And Michael O'Keefe had just done a, a movie with Robert Duvall called The Great Santini, and and which is a great movie. And uh, so he had at least some kind of experience and a little bit of a name value at that point. Plus, he had convinced them that he was a super experienced golfer which he definitely was not <laughs> uh, so that, that you know luckily got him the part but um that's how you had to yeah do it back so then. yeah fake but, it till uh, you make it <laughs> you're right so he got the part and but but they needed a name and and with their background and you know doug kenny and chevy chase were like best friends it it, it it made sense to go after Chevy was a, a big name, especially like we said with foul play having come out, I think the year before this. And, you know, so his star was kind of back on the rise and, and being friends with all these guys, it just, it was kind of, you know, perfect timing to get him into this movie. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was, I, I, how do you guys feel about Chevy specifically in this movie? Like his his style of comedy. How do you do? You guys does that still like resonate with you? Because he's got a very particular sense of humor. Chevy is you know he's always a very he's a particular kind of comedian. He can play this snobby like asshole guy um, with a bit of absurdity and a great physical presence, and he he touches all of that here, but a, like like writing the character as sort of this like Buddhist ish kind of guy, kind of like above it all, or at least or beyond it all, like kind of thing. Um, it actually tempers his performance in a way that like, I think stands out. Like I like Chevy a lot more in this than I like Chevy in a lot of his other things where he's mm -hmm. kind of a dickhead. <laughs> like he's, you know, but also lovable or not lovable, but also like just really funny and, and, and good at what he does. I mean, Chevy is always very good at what he does. Like him or hate him. Like, I think he's funny. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, like, and and he finds these moments, and they find these moments to, like, 
like Harold and Bill and everything give Chevy a lot to do, like to to portray as like physical comedy, which you can tell is like Chevy's bread and butter. He knows what he's doing. Falling down, drinking wine, like doing the golf, like spilling stuff. Silly. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, but then there's <laughs> also those moments where he's like when he's flirting with um, uh, Underhill, uh, the girl, Lacey and like Underall. Lacey Under, yes, excuse me, Lacey Underall, um, where she's saying things that like set his, like set him off a little bit, and he he can just do that that quirk, like that just kind of quirky reaction thing, and it's mm-hmm. like oh wow, this this I mean it's just it's a testament to his skill as a performer and uh, and everything because he he really he's probably the most versatile um, among the entire cast in this mm-hmm. film uh, in it so. I like him a lot more in this than I might like him a lot in others, even though I know he's very good at what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't hate the character. A lot of times I end up hating the Chevy character in the Chevy movies, <laughs> yeah. in a sense. But lo- lo- just love what he does. And I think that's the point, like, uh, w- with whatever he does. So, um, yeah, I'm a fan of that. What do you, like, where's your take, Brent, like, as far as, like, what he brings to the the table well i think i think those are all really good points i think for me like when i think of chevy chase and his comedy like his style of comedy best works for me as his character like clark griswold from the vacation movies i think that Mm -hmm. you know in those roles he fits in really well and like his comedy style really uh can carry the movie i feel like in this particular movie although he does a really good job I don't think his character comedically could really carry the movie without the support of the other comedians in it. Like, I just don't find his character that funny for me personally. You know, like, I think for me, like, uh, you know, Bill Murray and and Rodney Dangerfield are the much funnier characters. And and even, like, Ted Knight and his, like, over-the-top, like like performance to me like like as for comedy bits works a little bit better that being better for me that being said there's definitely moments in there where you know like some of what Chevy Chase brings really like rounds out a scene you know like the like the scene with with uh, with uh, the one that you mentioned the the lead actress and then uh, I think he's great in that I think that that scene is carried by him for sure and then there's a great scene later in the movie. It's the only scene I think that that Bill uh, Murray and, and Chevy Chase are in together. And a lot of this stuff, you know, like obviously that scene is just them like kind of riffing, going back and forth and kind of building and building, you know, uh, and like some of the stuff that he does in there is really, really well done. And I think it's great. Yeah. But I think if if I think yeah. if you didn't have the other actors in there, like comedically, like it would have fallen pretty flat for me. But but I think as as an ensemble, everybody works really well together. So yeah, I, mean, I don't think uh, I, I agree with you to it to a uh, on some of what you said there. I think all of them would have had the same problem of of wouldn't have been those characters wouldn't have been able to carry the movie solo like to, completely on their own. I think doing it as an ensemble and and giving breaks between all these characters. So, you know, it's been 15 minutes since we've seen where Ty is or where Carl is or, or you know, Al Cervik. And and I think that's essential for this kind of movie because it's so segmented. It's 
it's really important to give you breaks so you can come back and not overload on one of them. Yeah. yeah. But Absolutely. I love I love Chevy though. I mean, I I like you know, when Chevy is is really on, he's amazing and I think this uh, National Lampoon's Vacation and Christmas Vacation are clearly his best films and he's really on top of his game in in, in all of those and I, I like this. I, I like his character. His character is so interesting to me of like he's one of the rich snobs but doesn't act that way at all. Right. Well, he does, yeah. but he doesn't. He's very different about it. He doesn't act like I don't. I I I don't know to say that he doesn't act like a rich snob. I don't know. Like that opening scene where where him and and uh, Noonan are walking, and he's like asking him questions about like, hey, have you ever, you know, have you ever thought about like what you were gonna do? And he was, I don't know. Like a lot of the lines that he threw in there were obviously very like. Um, it, to me, red is very much like, oh well, I never had to deal with that in my life because I'm just better off than you are, and I don't know. <laughs> like it, it still, it still kind of seemed kind of hoity-toity, but in a much different way. Yeah, you know, like not not well, meant it's... to, not meant to be like mean. Like I actually think that I'm better than you, but like his whole performance is still like I just come from a better place. You know, which maybe you know, maybe 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 that feeds into your point, and and but I, I don't well, know. Like I still... it's 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 like he was born with a silver spoon, but didn't necessarily want it. He just had yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Uh, whereas all the rest of them, like you know, are are greedy and want more. You can tell they're you know the rich that want more and more and more. He's not necessarily quite that way, and I yeah, think that's, that's also you know yeah. Chevy Chase's ba- personal background as well. So. Yeah, he's definitely yeah, not identify. greedy, you know, like for sure. Like uh, that uh, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I mean, and I think, think his the... charisma, oh, go ahead, David. No, I was just going to say like think of the different levels of like wealthy people who are at this country club and you've got sort of, you know, uh Al Trevick is a particular guy who's he's just a guest. Or Rodney Dangerfield, he's just a rich guy who made Tons of money in real estate. He doesn't give a shit about decorum, etiquette, anything like that. He does his own thing. You've got the judge, or you've got um, you've got the judge Smales. Like so, Ted Knight. Mm-hmm. He is like most uh, compelled to be about about the proper way of doing things and what people right. with old money do. And he, you know, it's it's all about etiquette and procedure and how and politeness and all of that and how you act with proper decorum uh and then you've got chevy who's like rich and doesn't care about any of that like you know uh casual drug use casual sex casual like whatever money means nothing to him you know judge smales would wish he would have the money of of chevy's character or uh rodney's character but he never he, he never will you know kind of thing um and then it's so it's like you've got these different levels of like these snobby or you know elite people um you know trying to like affect like how you you see all of them like so you've got three different like extremely wealthy powerful people but what's the character which characters do you like more like nobody likes smales in terms of like liking him as a person and then you know uh uh, ty webb is kind of this aloof you know 
guy who's like really good at what he does but doesn't care. And then you've got Al Chervik who is extremely wealthy, seriously doesn't care, does whatever he wants. And it's um and he's like the most lovable. Like I, yeah. I to me like Rodney's like my Rodney's character Al Chervik is my favorite character of the entire movie. Abs- like hands down without a doubt. I wish I could see more of him. Like that's yeah, the guy I, for me. I I actually I agree with you. I I also think Rodney Dangerfield is my favorite character in this movie. But yeah, yeah, for the for for the same very reasons that you mentioned. Because it's it's a lot of different styles of the com- comedy, right? Like so, like yeah, like how do you see that? John? Totally. Yeah, and you've got almost four completely different ends of the spectrum <clears throat> as far as comedy goes uh, here in this movie. And and Rodney is certainly an interesting character that we covered uh, way back in year one, right, David, on our Back to School episode. Yeah, absolutely. Season one, Back to School, Rodney, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. That was that was just me doing. That was me doing uh, Kojak. But you know, I'm not. I'm not doing my Rodney impression right now. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I was hoping Rodney would drop by for a visit, but maybe he'll never, he'll spring spring by later on. You never know. You never know. <laughs> uh, and of course, you can check out that episode if you haven't already at www.reconsinimation.com. But Rodney yeah. is coming off of a huge, uh, you know, stand-up career. Also, you know, similar to Harold Ramis, not a lot of uh, background in film and not familiar with the whole process of filmmaking, which which would be a not a problem, but would be an, an issue for Harold while they were making the movie. But uh, he had a big Vegas stand-up show, I believe, and he ended up taking. You know, before they they actually hired him, they were thinking it was either uh, Rodney Dangerfield or Don Rickles as the Al Cervic character. What do you think oh. about about Don Rickles? Oh, Rickles have been incredible. I would have loved to see that version. Loved it. Yes. <laughs> Hundred percent. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not like the biggest Rickles fan. I think it's it, like he's oh. just. He's so mean, you know. Like he's. I, I feel yeah. like he's too mean, but I don't know. He's People great. love him. Yeah. Oh my god, he's amazing. <laughs> I think he may have been a, a less lovable character, but he probably would have killed it. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think he would be funny, but it, it, there's something about it. there's an there's an anger that was always in Rickles comedy, especially when he was younger. Um, that Rodney doesn't quite have that. Although Rodney's got his own quirks, but uh, true. Um, I mean, Rod- yeah, I don't know. With with Chervik being like you know, uh, commenting on everybody. I mean, the thing is, like every scene with Chervik while he's like in the club, he's just he's just going. It's mile a minute. He's a tornado and going and just saying bits and all that, and it's hilarious. It would have been a different ener- different energy, I think, but I think still funny. Like I guess, yeah, he'd probably be a slightly less likable. But he's not the focus of the film, so it is kind of like he's just this guy doing his own thing. I mean, a Rickles version of that character, I think, would be still as uh, very enjoyable, but in a different way. Uh, I'd love to see. Yeah, it. <laughs> Rickles. My biggest regret yeah, is never be seeing Rickles before he died. Like I just, uh, it, like, he's hysterical. I love him. Well, you'll always have Toy Story. So, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, you're right. Um, but like Rodney, I mean, huge stand-up, huge TV appearances. You know, going back, what, just not even Carson, but Ed Sullivan and David Frost, Mike Douglas, mm-hmm. um, or yeah. Griffin. Like, you know, he, the entire Joey Bishop, the entire country knows that knew who he was for, 
you know, 15 years before this film, uh, in a sense, but he was not right. someone who was accessible. He wasn't in film, you know, he wasn't doing, he was doing TV here and there, but mostly just him just doing comedy. Like he wasn't playing characters, you know, and this was a, a chance to like insert his comedy into a, you know, a, a scripted character, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, you know, there's so Rodney's one of those things that I've I've never been a huge Rodney fan. Um bite, and bite your tongue. I don't know. <laughs> I know, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know. Like he, Have you ever seen any of have you ever have you ever gone back and watched like any of his like stand up and or or like any of his old uh Appearances on Johnny Carson, sure. or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, and I do. I think he's. Yeah. Fu- I do think he's funny, uh, but something. He's just so strange in this movie. It always kind of it took me out of it a little bit. I I, ne- I just never loved the Alcivic character, and yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's like took one of the you things out of the that, movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like the whole bull in the china shop thing. I thought. I think he's. I yeah. I think he's. Great. It's a uh, it's interesting. I want to I see just think, more I think of his, him. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I don't, I, I don't think that Rodney's yeah. humor like ages as well as the rest of their their kinds of humor does. I think I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's just because he's so like ridiculous and over the top and wacky, like outwardly wacky. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like. I- I mean, he's I just, wacky, he's, but he's, he's, you know, like his, it's not like he's doing pie in the face gags. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, he's just riffing. It's just riffing. Some of it is inappropriate or at least like doesn't kind of translate to like a modern audience, but it's still goofy and funny. Like, you know, I don't think there's a mean spiritedness to it. I, I think, I think it still works. A lot of it. I just, every time, every time he's on screen, I was like happy to see him. I wanted to see more, uh, Oh, it's, it, I totally get it in terms of, and especially playing against Ted Knight, who is playing the like straight, like villainous character <clears> of the whole thing. Man, does it work! Like he he is he's elevated to the next level. Uh, these two mm-hmm. professionals like working against yeah, each I think, other. I think it's just you know like for whatever reason, watching him in that movie, uh, he. He's just like a fish out of water, right? Like he, yeah. he, the only reason he's allowed in this place is because he has the money to be there. Right. But he's totally different than a lot of the you know, pretentious kind of characters that are that are milling about the the country club, right? And so like he's just very like I don't know on that level like I, I just find him relatable. Where it's like yeah, I'd feel very awkward and not know how to really handle myself in in some of those situations. But he's just like. He's totally honest in himself the entire time, which I which I kind of think is is uh, admirable, you know. And so for me, like I really enjoy his character in the yeah. in the movie, even though even though like maybe some of the comic bits uh, don't hold up as well. But I don't know. Some of I mean I think some of them still are pretty timeless. Like the whole like bagging on the hat inside the club. And, yeah, it's and my Knight's favorite. Over there wearing the same hat, and he just like it's my like favorite. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Just to get a free, <laughs> you buy a hat like that, you get a free yeah. bowl of soup. Are you kidding? That's a that's yeah. such a great. Line. It immediate, yeah. It immediately sets the tone that these two guys are gonna butt heads. Oh yeah, like, I yeah. Gonna, that's, I'm, this, I'm cool. Ted Knight is not gonna like this guy. And so, it's it's gonna, brushed over. It's brushed over so quickly. Like why exactly who he is and why he's there, but 
if if you miss it, he's running. He owns a construction company or or a, a development company that's a huge construction project right next to the golf course. Yeah, and like he's a guest of mm-hmm. one of the club members, right? Like so, he's just there. He's a guest. He's not. He doesn't even like golf, but he's got all the right. best. You know, he's got that custom bag, which is so absurd with a TV, an FM radio, uh, a beer keg inside of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hydraulic, it's like, like four sizes bigger than any other bag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had that like that little caddy trying to carry it, which. It's so funny because you think I thought that caddy was. I, you know, I always forget that little caddy looks like he's a boy, but it's a girl. <laughs> it's just the young yeah. girl pretending, to, which you learn later at the pool scene. But it's so funny, like it's it, this absurd, like gigantic bag bigger than the the one caddy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, yeah, like it's another me, one of those. Like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, for me, to me, honestly, the funniest, the most enjoyable. The, the 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 parts I like about the movie are Rodney's parts. Bill Murray's very good. Ted Knight's amazing. Chevy Chase actually comes in second, but Rodney's my number one in this whole movie for me. I, I, yeah. I he's my guy. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we're all entitled. You know. Yeah. Like the thing is, like Rodney does jokes <clears throat> because, I, and for me, maybe a setup and a punchline, or at least just the way that the, the the cadence of his jokes work to me, like, hit. So I, I really like that. Bill Murray's very funny, but he never does a joke. You know, he's just kind of whimsical. So, like, for me, it's the least entertaining. Although it's very entertaining, the least entertaining. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm. that's just for me, But as, as far as a performance. <clears throat> um, but this movie doesn't work without Bill Murray, and I'm glad he's in it. And, I'm you know, all, all of that is, you know, uh, I, I appreciate Bill Murray in this film. He is not like the reason I I watch this movie. Yeah, well, it's funny because I feel like Bill Bill Murray's scenes are the ones that get like quoted the most. You know, yeah, like of it's yeah. or or like like when people think of the movie, they always think of Bill Murray and 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 the Gopher. You know, I mean, it's like I feel like I feel like everybody else. Like I feel like Rodney Dangerfield is the one that people think about the least. I know, um, I know, it's know, ridiculous, but. but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Oh, I was just going to say, I just feel like Bill Murray's lines are always, you know, I mean, like, there's just so many iconic Bill Murray pieces in this movie. You know, they're always the ones that kind of, like, have have kind of lifted into the zeitgeist of, you know, the pop culture zeitgeist and is, like, you sure. know, now now bigger than Caddyshack. Is is Bill Murray's character right. from Caddyshack and the Gopher? Yeah, so, well, well, Rod. The yeah. thing about Rodney's comedy is that uh, Rodney's comedy doesn't translate anymore. I mean, we like it because we still grew up with it, but I mean, Rodney, you know, hasn't been a presence for this generation at all. I mean, even you know, Caddyshack has its own cult following, but that's not because of Rodney Dangerfield. Back to School is, uh, you know, a forgotten movie. That's why we covered it on the show. But, uh, you know, he's just he doesn't resonate with whether you like his comedy or not. um, It it doesn't resonate with modern audience. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was asking if you guys had ever watched any of his like just his stand up stuff, because his stand up stuff is hilarious. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't don't think that 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 goes away. Like, I mean, it's all self-deprecating humor. And I mean, it's he does it better than anybody ever who's who's done it. You know, I mean, like. He's he's 
great at it. And it's I for me that outside of the movie, like yeah, maybe maybe his character in the movie uh, has faded, and you know, like since he's passed away, obviously, like he's not, you know, like people don't, th- you know, like he's just not yeah, he, in people's awareness anymore. But right. like, if you go back and watch the his old stand up stuff, like I. I think it still holds up pretty well. Yeah. At least the pieces that I'm thinking of, you know, like I obviously haven't seen all of it, but, but you know, right. I, I, I miss his humor. Yeah. Right. I mean, Rodney was gigantic in the sixties and the seventies. I mean, comedic tastes have changed for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, he evolved a little bit, but I mean, it's not like, I, I, I think he, he was at his prime in Caddyshack. Like he understood how to like, do a joke. He understood like how to really punch because every, for me, any, every one of his, like, it's, it's like just the way he does it, the setup and punchline, like real quick, just like boom, boom, like just boom, 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 boom. He just knows how to hit. Mm. And I think all of them work and I'm just guffawing, like watching it this week. I was just guffawing at him and it's my preference, obviously, but like I was laughing so much more at what he was doing. And it was just like, I was appreciating what, like, say, Bill was doing and appreciating what Chevy was doing, but also laughing, you know. But, like, to me, it's like if you're going to be funny, there's so many different levels of funny in this film. And it really comes down to what do you what do you connect with? So that's the thing. Right. Caddyshack works for uh, a Rodney fan, a Bill Murray fan, a Chevy fan. And, like, f- for what Ted Knight does – you know he he'd been a fucking megastar. Sorry, he'd been a megastar on uh, Mary Tyler Moore in a sense, like knowing how to play Ted Baxter. Yeah, that like he bringing right. that to Caddyshack. It's like you get your choice of what you get to laugh at and enjoy and love, and uh, it's it's kind of like a it's an embarrassment of riches for a comedy fan in this film. There's so much going on. Like what a what a joy for people who love comedy. Yeah, and and yeah, before before we dive do a, a deep dive into Bill's role here, because I think you, Brent, you touched on a couple of points that I, I want to come back to. I do just want to mention, follow up what you said, David. Ted Knight is fantastic in this movie. He's actually my favorite part of this movie now. Nice. Uh, I nice. think he is so funny. His facial expressions are amazing. <laughs> like yeah. what he can yep. do with his mus- the muscles on his face and how many different <laughs> versions of shocked, bewildered, offended, amazed, like how many levels to those <laughs> emotions that he can do. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to have somebody in that role that's like a standard, you know, while he was good at comedy, he is an actor. He's not a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he that's the thing. He was like, he's the most actor actory of the actors in this film. Like he, he gets it and, and does it so well. I mean, God, he's such a joy in this. And he serves he serves the rest of the cast so well in his role that I mean, everyone else is elevated because of what he's bringing to it. I mean, they, they all they all elevate each other, I guess, is more the fair point. So, yeah, I can yeah. see like Ted Knight just killing it. Uh, and like understanding and enjoying it today totally makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Ted Knight on this. I totally understand a Ted Knight like today looking at it, like he is the most actory of the of all of the performers, like, understanding like what it takes to really punctuate a joke. And I think he 
helps elevate the rest of the cast. But I guess the point is every person who's doing their performance elevates everybody else. Like everybody, everything works because the rest of the movie is in it. Like the rest of the people are in the film, you know? Uh, no, there's I feel no like Ted Knight standard. also gets more screen time than the other three. I think probably because of the because of Danny, like right. you know, jumping in. But he, yeah, you're right. Well, and he's the only true like antagonist, right? Yeah, like everybody, you know, everybody else is. They're all kind of their individual protagonist, and then you got he's the only one that's kind of against multiple people. Right. Right. He's yep. just, uh, you know, I, I love Ted Knight. I wish, you know, it's unfortunate that we lost him in the eighties and I wish there was more of Ted Knight, you know, comedy feature film comedy out there. There's just not, not very much. So, uh, this is, uh, definitely his gem for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. He's great. He's great. Um, Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about Bill, because obviously that's such a huge element to this movie. I do think, you know, Bill is sort of the draw into this movie. I mean, there's such a cult status and fan favorite thing with him as Carl Spackler for this movie. And and it's actually not even an original character that he had played this character for years. I mean, he'd done this bit on, even on Saturday Night Live, he played that character. I mean, he wasn't on a golf course, but he would do with the, you know, uh, with the, that facial expression and that voice multiple times. So this wasn't like necessarily a new thing, but it was a big deal to get him into this movie. And obviously this, this movie made his, you know, really, I guess, cemented his feature career. Right. Sure. Uh, he had been, and then obviously there's a there's a whole backstory yeah. between him and Chevy that we should we should talk about. Um, For sure, didn't he? Didn't he only have like six days to shoot? Yeah. So they like all they they like he came in at the, was it just the tail end of the shoot and did the last six days or something? No, it was it was uh, they shot in the fall of '79, which was season five of Saturday Night Live, and and. You know, Bill goes way back with with all these guys, with Harold and and Doug Kenny and Chevy, like all the way back through Lampoon. So they were very familiar with each other and friends, uh, except him and Chevy. So in case anyone isn't familiar with the background of Saturday Night Live, Bill did not come into the show till halfway through season two as a replacement for Chevy Chase. Chevy, you know, became basically the face of Saturday Night Live during season one, left a few episodes into season two, and Bill came in as his replacement. The tone of the show changed, and it, it was, it was you know, not one person wasn't sort of the lead, even though you could make an argument for John Belushi, um, but they were all becoming huge TV stars. And at the end of season four, Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd and, and Belushi leave, and it's basically, season five is basically the Bill Murray show. So... He, you know, was really the centerpiece that season for sure. And uh, also shot a movie called Meatballs, which we'll probably look at. But boy, does that movie not (laughs) hold up anymore. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. But um, this was the movie that really, 
you know, pushed him up to the star level immediately followed by stripes and then Ghostbusters shortly after that, uh, you know, made him an A-list star. But, you know, this his his role as Carl before I talk about that, uh, when Chevy came back to host Saturday Night Live, I think it was actually season three. Uh, there was a there was a physical fight between Bill and Chevy uh, backstage, like and a, there, there's a lot of bad blood. Like an actual altercation. Yeah, um, you know, Bill punched him wow. in the face like right before they went on the air, right before the opening monologue. There was there was a lot of tension with the way Chevy left and the way he talked about the rest of the cast, and his ego was huge in you know in the mid seventies and. Um, was really rubbed everybody the wrong way and and Bill stood up to him and and uh you know went after him and um they uh, so nobody really knew what was going to happen between these two guys um there was a lot of fences that needed to be mended before they could you know, be together, and really, like, there's no, uh, there's no, as this, the the character of Carl Spackler was not really a written character. I mean, he he was written in that a sense that he was, uh, there was no dialogue written for him. He was, you know, doing things. He had the storyline with the gopher, and and basically that's it. Uh, but there was no dialogue written, and they were going to basically improv everything with Bill, were he to actually show up on set which was also a question mark. Uh, but, hmm. you know, Bill's kind of a wild guy and, you know, does things when he wants to do them and the way he likes to do them. So even though he did agree to do the movie and is friends with all these guys, no one was actually sure when he would show up on the set and when he could get away from SNL. So, yeah, but finally when he did, they had him for six days and... and tried to cram everything in there. Uh, as they shot the movie, they realized that there there was not one single scene between the two biggest stars of the movie who happened to strongly dislike each other at the time, Chevy and Bill. So, right. And that's the genesis of the scene between the two of them is, you know, I think Bill had finished his scenes and was back on Saturday Night Live and they had to get him back down there to do this one scene. Um, they, so apparently the, the, the word is that they had, uh, stepped away for lunch, uh, Chevy, Bill, Harold, Doug Kenny, and Brian Doyle Murray, the five of them sat down and outlined this scene of who these characters are and why they like, what would they say to each other? And just kind of put some bullet points together and shot the scene, I believe in three or four takes and just let them. I mean, Bill improved the whole character. All the dialogue is just straight from him. Uh, but that scene especially was just made for the two of them. And I guess it's like an iconic scene of the movie, would you say? Oh, yeah. The playing the playing through scene? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's an iconic scene in the movie. And the dialogue between them is is interesting when you know that backstory because, like, you can kind of, you know, like, uh, you can kind of feel them kind of, uh, the subtext in their in their back and forth mm-hmm. as as you know something more than than what's just what's just playing in the movie. Yeah, it's it's funny because that scene you can see some outtakes of it, and they're they're 
they are working together and and it actually ended up kind of making the peace between the two of them and they weren't you know i don't think they were the closest of friends after that but they did you know they made a bunch of appearances together they they showed up like i don't know in the late 90s together on saturday night live and i think they redid that skit or that scene on saturday night live just kind of spontaneously um oh wow yeah it was yeah i think i think that I think that scene gave them both kind of a newfound respect for each other and what they brought for their craft. Right. Yeah. So like that kind of helped, uh, kind of start to rebuild that bridge. Yeah. But, uh, but Bill and the gopher are like the faces of the movie. Really? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're the, all over the marketing stuff. And now like you know, the, Bill Murray has become such a huge, cultural icon i mean there's all this merchandise out here and and a lot of it is from caddyshack oh yeah and it's it's funny because he is such a side character and i i wouldn't say that he's like particular i don't like laugh out loud funny you know at at, um what bill murray's doing in the movie i mean it's it's amusing and of course he's got the memorable you know dalai lama lines and and some of the other (laughs) Uh, some of his other dialogue is great, but you know, it, it's for me, it's Ted Knight who who cracks me up. Yeah, Bill Bill's just the one that's still marketable, mm-hmm. you know. So Bill's the like meme. His, his, Bill's his, the meme of the whole movie. Yeah, I mean his his star his star is, has continued to rise, and now now he's you know like he's beyond stardom. He's you know like he's a he's almost a mythological. <laughs> being <laughs> you know yeah. i mean like bill hit a so, legendary status so. among a new generation in like the late 90s or early 2000s where yeah it was after rushmore know, we yeah 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 after after rushmore which we covered on our show how long ago was that i don't even remember but we definitely months did and it. months yeah months and months but i mean <laughs> bill bill found a new audience um and he and like the internet embraced him in a sense we, where you know he like he literally would show up at people's parties and and at randomly or at a bar and serving drinks and and people uh, people just gravitated toward him because that's Bill Murray like that's that's who he is you know and uh, and I don't remember if I told the story on my on the Rushmore episode but uh, at the college I worked at in the early two thousands where his son was looking at colleges and. Uh, uh, Bill came to that one in Philadelphia with his son, <laughs> and they they got a exclusive tour. And my buddy Lawrence uh, saw him down at the communications building, where they came out of the communications building, and all these students and Lawrence was one of them. Uh, they were kind of like just standing like far apart from him, like trying to avoid him because you know it's like kind of the polite thing to do. But everyone's kind of looking, and then he kind of like turns around, and he looks at them, and he. He's like, okay, okay, come on. All right, all right, come on. And so my friend Lawrence just walks up and he's like, uh, Mr. Murray, uh, I think you're an amazing actor, and I think you should have won the Oscar for uh, Caddyshack. And then Bill said something to the effect of like, yeah, no, I think you're right. And then just shook his hand and <laughs> he kind of moved on from it. Like it was – and I and I had, saw, I had seen him on the campus while I was working there, and he was just sitting alone actually. His, his son was probably out on – a piece of the tour but you know everyone like had this like respect for him uh you know just because he's just a guy uh 
you know, there for a sp- specific reason. He's not uh, there to be. And, and, you know, it's in Philadelphia. It's not, you know, we're all you all three of us are in L.A. We don't really care if we see people who are on TV or, or movies. But mm-hmm. right. um, but it's still Bill Murray. I mean, I think I think if Bill Murray was in your neighborhood, you'd still take a take a, a breath to, like, acknowledge that. And uh, uh, so it was kind of an, a unique moment. Um, cause he, he is someone that's affected like three different generations of oh, yeah. comedy fans. Yeah. <clears throat> I would, I don't get oh, starstruck, yeah. but, uh, I, I, there's, except for a select few, Bill Murray would be one of those people. I would, I would melt if I, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. ran into him. I was, yeah, I was, I was about to say the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't get all, I don't get all, uh, you know, gooey and starstruck for 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 you know many actors, but if I saw Bill Murray, I'd definitely it would give me pause. I'd be like, oh man, that's Bill Murray. <laughs> yep. like, that's awesome. <laughs> yep, yep. That's that's what Bill does, you know. So, but he's uh, got. Yeah, he, I mean, it's impossible. He's got so you know, uh, his him and Chevy both their charisma and their. I don't know. They're just energy is really like such a huge part of this movie and so dominant. And obviously, like we talked about, took totally took the movie away from the caddies and from, you know, Cindy Morgan gets a lot of screen time as Lacey Underall. And, um, you know, but the rest of the caddies get really pushed aside. Yeah, it's it shifts. I'm sure like there was a different idea in mind when you had all these these characters, because you know, a lot of those characters are, or a lot of the caddies are very different. You know, like you can see that the, they built a lot of these conflicts between them. Um, but really what stands out is the comedy between like sort of the, you know, the experts, <laughs> the whole thing. Of course. So, yeah. That, I mean, that's what you want to see. Bit. That's what they're, they're paying to see Chevy and Bill. And, you know, hopefully, you know, they get the one scene with the two of them together and Rodney and Chevy and, you know, you get you do get a fair amount of Rodney and, and Chevy together, and of course Rodney and Ted Knight. Yeah. As far as the production went, though, there's this was a crazy. You know, th- this was shot in 1979. Things were still a little little crazy. A lot of drugs going on in this movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was in, uh, in the movie or 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 after hours. After hours. Since they were <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, I think I think. I think I mean there was so much going on behind the scenes not on in the film but like I mean everybody was staying in a motel that was right there at the golf course so it was like just a huge it was like a college party it sounded mm-hmm. like the entire time when everybody was together yeah. and at one point there was like a hurricane that was rolling through so yeah. they were just like they just bought a ton of booze and just like raged <laughs> Yeah, didn't, it was. Didn't they they film this in Florida for the most part? I mean, I think there's other locations, but yeah, they mostly they Florida? filmed it in Rolling at Rolling Hills Golf Club in Davie, Florida, and right, yeah, a hurricane. Uh, I think it was Hurricane David, actually. So Uh-oh. you must have been there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, um, it just yeah. yeah came in and destroyed some of the sets, and I think the production office where all the offices were like flooded everything there. So uh, definitely caused a delay in filming. And, you know, there was there was a lot of holdups. There was, um, you know, you, you have especially with these comedies, like you have a lot of personalities and then you add drugs into the mix and the nonstop partying and the, you know, the young people all together that uh, it's going to get uh, a little nuts. And and it did. I mean, and, and then you've got like 
personalities like Rodney who didn't understand that making a movie was completely different than doing stand-up. So sure. he, he would like he didn't know that action <laughs> was his cue to to enter the room and deliver his dialogue. So he would wait like Harold Ramis would call action and he and then Rodney wouldn't do anything and Harold would say action action Rodney and Rodney would still not do anything. And then Rodney, after a minute, would go, do you want me to do my bit? <laughs> so Harold would say, <laughs> Rodney, do your bit. That's your cue to talk. <laughs> so, I mean, he would do that, and then he would. no one would laugh, and he would freak out because no one was responding to his jokes. And it was, uh, I think it was the uh, Scott, uh, Col- what's his name? Scott Columby, who plays Denunzio had to like pull him aside and say they're not going to laugh because they'll ruin the take like this is all recorded sound <laughs> yeah. they're supposed to not I lo- laugh I, lo- like, I-, I love that story because poor Rodney's sitting there thinking that he's totally tanking with his comedy and he's just like so neurotic about it and then and then the guy's like no nah, man this is film yeah. this is how it works but it's funny because yeah. like when he's with like the crew like the the that he's the guest of like the 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 way they do it like he's just telling jokes and they're they're enjoying what he's doing you know like he's just this crude kind of buffoon uh and and telling these bits and all that and so his couple of his friends are just you know like all on top of it so it's but so it's funny to think that like yeah he he didn't realize like oh actors aren't going to like step on it like and try to react to you Unless the scene calls for it, <laughs> such a fun yeah. thing for like a stand-up to like learn. Like, oh, this is no, this is really how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, I, right. I think uh, also the you know as far as the amount of drugs that was going on behind the scenes, I think that energy that kind of I don't know. I, I think you can feel it on screen that it was a little bit chaotic and a little all over the place and. Uh, a little i don't know if frantic's the right word but it's it's uh the movie feels very drug, scattered drug fueled yeah yeah it's definitely a drug fueled type uh type of uh, uh i don't know men, like mentality mm-hmm. or or read you know yeah well like and isn't it like that ted knight was probably the only actor who didn't do any drugs on the set <laughs> like is the yeah was the idea right. <laughs> like he's the only straight laced guy in the whole thing yeah uh, I don't. Th- it looked like he was not having a very good time uh, on the making of the movie. I mean, they would party all night. They would. They would. Uh, like one one night, they all went out and took all the golf carts and reenacted uh, General one of General Patton's, <laughs> you know, World War II uh, uh, scenes and tore up like one whole, you know, uh, one part of the golf course and gotten a lot of trouble for it. And uh, I think that was a that was a lot of that was coming from Doug Kenny. It's like that crummy gopher yeah. just tearing up the golf course. <laughs> I mean, well, they're all like, what are they? They're all like twenty something years old. Yeah. You know, it's like they've got, they've got basically free reign of this plot of land and golf course to do anything they want, and you know, they've got they've got the money to back them, and and you know, the the A list stars to to bring in the good stuff. Plus, they're like. What they're like a couple miles away from Miami, mm-hmm. which you know, like they're bringing in all sorts of, you know, drugs and and things there. So I, yeah, I mean, this place, I'm sure it was just, 
a haze the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God. Uh, well, they don't make movies like this anymore. No. No. Can't get away with <laughs> not that. Till, no. Not till I start producing. Because <laughs> the drugs will be flowing, let me tell you. The, the drugs, the forced nudity, you know, it'll, you're bringing it all back. Oh, I'm, I'm, there's going to be yeah. unexpected nudity for all actors. <laughs> yeah, the forced, the forced awkward nudity at the in the pool scene. Yeah. Like, what's that? Like, <laughs> that not, what is going on here? It's weird that there's, yeah, just there, like boobs, there's a, there, boobs and butts at random times. That it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then and then and then there's in the middle of all of it. There's there's like a, a water ballet like performance. Like, what is happening? Yeah. That, well, this... what happened? What's going on here? <laughs> the absurdity like starts going. I kind of. I, it's charming in its own way, but it makes no sense. Like these, like these no. brutish, like random uh, caddies have a choreographed scene. <laughs> They're doing water ballet. Well, it's insane. My favorite, my favorite it's, it's, thing. It's those kind of scenes that take me out of the movie completely, though. Yeah. No, I love like, it. Wait, what? No, because it's even like the gopher is kind of, kind of like crazy. If you didn't open no, the I movie agree. with the gopher, yeah. like you know, in the in the opening, you know, opening crawl or whatever. It, it nothing makes sense with that, but then it's this kind of the silliness is abound. Like there's this under underhanded silliness that's part of it. Um, I, I, Brent, I do agree with you in general about the the ballet scene, the water ballet. But <laughs> one thing I absolutely love about it is if you look close to you know to each of those people, you'll see a super old bearded guy in the middle yeah. of. Oh, that like, lo- like what? Who is that? What? Why? And I-, I love it. It's hilarious. I didn't look into it, but I can I only imagine that half of those people were like crew members or yeah, you know, friends of friends or I don't know. Like, there's <laughs> they only show up for just that scene. And yeah, that bearded guy specifically, I remember. I remember. Uh, mm-hmm. But just yeah. what fun! How delightful! How silly! <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sure it was absolutely a blast to make, but as a viewer, I'm just like, what the? Yeah, what? <laughs> sure. I uh, I also I thought Cindy Morgan. I just want to mention. I think she did a great job as Lacey Underall. I feel bad for her that you know this was of the era where you know they like you had to see a woman's breasts in in movies and 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 there were yeah. you know a lot of times forcing women to do it and threatening them if they didn't do it and and I I do think there was some of that going on. I don't I don't think they were threatening her, but it was you know, there was some coercion going on to get her to do it and I think she re- she regretted it and and I think she had a tough time. I think uh you know, it her character sort of mirrored reality a little bit and got a lot of maybe unwanted attention from people and had a tough time working with Chevy and keeping up with his improv, you know, the whole scene where they're drinking, um, you know, he's doing yeah. those crazy shots and putting the oil on her back. Like he improved all that. And that's not stuff he's going to like go over with her. And I think they had a, a conflict on, on some of those scenes. I could see that. Like, yeah. it, it seemed like she was like, oh, then she finally reached a point where it's like, all right, just kiss me, you fool. Like, like, like let's end this. Yeah. It, it's just yeah. like, let's get to the end of that. But uh, it's, uh, it, she did, yeah, she did her best with that. And like, she had a lot to do in this movie with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is her second appearance on the podcast. I mean, we, we covered Tron, where she was, yeah. she was Laura. 
uh, in that. And, you know, I mean, we've got a lot of duplicates here. Like Bill Bill is back. Harold Ramis back. Chevy yep. back. Back. Uh, Rodney back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's Brian back. Brian Doyle Murray the, back. Brian Doyle Murray <laughs> back. Um, yeah. It's funny, too. Sarah Holcomb, who played Maggie, I don't remember, like, they gave her she has an irish accent in caddyshack yes she was in animal house but she because she played the young the young like 15 year old girl i think right right? yeah but like it's just kind of this interesting character choice because i she's not irish like or at least native irish i think uh that she just has Maggie O'Hooligan was her name. Oh, the, yeah. the other thing about this movie is the crazy names of characters. It's Maggie O'Hooligan <laughs> and Judge Smales. Doesn't Judge Smales? What, what's his real name or his full name? Judge Elihu. L-I-E-L-I-H-U. Elihu. Elihu. Carl Carl Spackler. Elihu? Yeah. Yeah, it's L E L I H U is the is his first name. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably your real name, but the the combination of the whole thing of like Maggie O'Hooligan, Carl Spackler, Al <laughs> Alchervik sounds like a a solid like Czech or Polish name. Yeah. Uh, you know, just a lot of silliness uh, with with these names uh, coming through. Porterhouse is the last name. Yeah, and I think technically. <laughs> It was smoke oh, porterhouse. Porterhouse. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, the, super racist stuff going on there. The African American guy yeah. who works for works at the club, and his name is Smoke Porterhouse, and uh, uh, it's just part of the I want those part of this with a fine chamois. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> there's so many silly and out- outrageous things about the film that still work. Uh, no matter what no matter when you're seeing it so absolutely i i I made a little a short list of some of the ones that jump out to me that i love so much uh one of them is spalding like everything about spalding (laughs) just cracks me up yeah (laughs) like like him in the background on the while they're golfing like him just Everything he's doing, slamming the golf club and throwing little fits, and <laughs> like when they go to the concession stand, and it's, <laughs> what do you want, Spalding? I want a hot dog and I want a hamburger, and he just goes on and on and on, and like <laughs> it's so is, funny. Is Spalding the one that yells out "duty" at the at the? Yes, pool? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that Spalding? Yeah, yeah right at the okay. end there. Yeah, but it, it's funny because he like I want a hot dog, I want a cheese, I want a soda, and then Ted Meisner's like, "You got nothing, and you'll like it." Like he just like just <laughs> just erupts on him and just it's just so funny because he's this pathetic guy. Like he doesn't want to be yeah. there, and the, for some reason he's dragged along in all these like they don't want him there too. <laughs> like right, he's just part of this family. Like I don't know, yeah, it's so funny. Um, wait, and our Spalding. And Lacey Underall, are they brother and sister or are they cousin? They're related, aren't they? Well, isn't isn't Lacey the niece or something that was sent there? Because yes. Spalding is the son, yeah. I think. Oh, okay. Judge. Yeah. So they're cousins. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, you know, she's staying there for the summer or something. Yeah. Um, I also love Dr. Beeper. Everything Dr. Beeper Dr. does Beeper. Is, <laughs> cracks me up. <laughs> 
It's probably just like, a routine what, emergency. I'll come back or whatever. Yeah, snake a tube down their throat, and I'll be there in three or four hours. <laughs> <laughs> what a great bit! What a great bit! Um, and then, like the the scene in the at the bar when um, Ted Knight, like you know, finally like challenges them to a you know the the golf. Uh, you know their their matchup at the end, um, where he's trying to convince Ty to team up with him, and there's this thing where they like almost get into this physical thing, and you see che- you, if you just watch Chevy Chase puts Doctor Beeper in this like full Nelson or sleeper hold kind of. Thing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just a great moment. Like the way they react to each other is is, is really. I, I highly recommend just watch Doctor Beeper in the scenes that he's in. It's weird. Like Beeper's like trying to ins- insinuate himself, and then Chevy like makes it a bigger thing and and pulls him back, puts him in chokehold. Like, yeah, it's so silly. They must have done it a couple times that way. It's just so. It's just such a silly scene. Like the way that happens. Well, that that just goes back to like how much of this movie is improv. I mean, it was really. I think the dialogue was more of just a jumping off point for some of these guys. And you can just feel that that I don't know that flu fluid, you know, loose kind of energy between the actors. Except for like your Ted Knights, he's gonna pretty much stick to a script. He's not gonna he's not gonna riff on his his dialogue too much. Well, I I love the Havercamps, the old the elderly couple. Right. Yeah. I think you, yeah you mentioned they they don't know how to golf. They're just kind of. <laughs> Just kind of going through the motions there. There, <laughs> the way like she swings and misses, uh, or, or, or is just like amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's like wee, <laughs> just knocks it into the water. Oh yeah, she's knocking it in the water, and he swings and completely like doesn't even touch it at all. Yeah. And they show up later, like at Ted Knight's house, and uh, just uh, it's all it's it's so many little things about this movie that I love so much. Yeah, yeah. It's not, I mean, you know, yeah, um, the ending, the, you know, you've got your standard (laughs) ridiculous, huge ending that was a staple of these guys. I mean, between Animal House and Blues Brothers and, and Stripes and Ghostbusters, it's, you know, like this enormous either explosions or, you know, the army coming in, just something huge. And I guess Christmas vacation too, and, and regular vacation. Yeah. Um, yeah. You it's know, gotta, gotta have, gotta have at least a couple explosions. Yeah. Or else it's just not a true ending. They built a, a, a whole separate 18th hole uh, that they could blow up. But if you look at that explosion, it is massive. I mean, way too much <laughs> yeah. uh, special effects going on there. <laughs> That's a yeah, a huge fire. It probably goes 40, 50 feet in the air. Like <laughs> just explosion. Yeah. It's fantastic. I've seen other angles of that explosion and there's like multiple mini explosions going on as well. It was it's like I would say probably very unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> And they got like there were pilots, uh, you know, nearby that that called, you know, nine one one and and called in the, called the police about it that there was some kind of you know some kind of accident happened over there and it was uh, a little out of hand, but it works for the movie. For sure. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about the Gopher? How does the Gopher hold up? 
it's dumb. Too silly, or does it too work? Too silly. It's 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 Acme, you know, Looney Tunes kind of silliness. That I feel I feel like they figured out something like absurd to put in later, and then realized like, oh, that should be like the intro of the movie. And uh, the the animatronic of it like kind of works. Like the the way it would blink sometimes, like it it actually kind of works. You know, it's a puppet, obviously, but like they make it this like I don't know silly entity. And a nice, a nice uh, yeah, focus for uh, for Carl. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's his whole storyline. The tone. Yeah, exactly. It certainly sets the tone for, uh, I think, the movie. But it's a little too wacky for for uh, you know my taste. That's you know like that. It's that kind of stuff that takes me again. Like I mentioned before, it's that kind of stuff that takes me out of the movie. But I know it's a big part <laughs> of the movie, and it's definitely it, like Bill Murray. Uh, kind of the one of the one of the most memorable takeaways that continues to live on. Yeah, I mean yeah. they they added it later on uh, as a through line for the movie, but um, and it's weird to think that John Dykstra and the guys who did the mechanical effects for Star Wars turned around and did <laughs> the, <laughs> the Gopher Caddyshack. But like, if they made a Caddyshack cartoon show, you know, the Gopher would be have been the star of that '80s cartoon show, right? Like Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, like he's the marketable piece. Maybe you could still could do that, David. Oh what? Let's get let's get Warner Brothers on the phone after we after we're done here. I'll call them. Let's pitch this. Yeah, this was a Warner Brothers movie. Was this a Warner Brothers movie? One eight one eight hundred. Warner Brothers. There you go. That's, yeah, that's that's how they that's take the their number. Mark it down. They that's, take their unsolicited <laughs> pitches at that eight hundred number. Yeah. Um, I like the score by uh, Johnny Mandel, who also did the 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 song for Mash, and of course Kenny Loggins. Come on, Kenny yeah, Loggins. Well, those are the movies. I'm all right. Open. Is like, yeah, it's such a great song. Oh, for sure. But doesn't the movie sort of open with like a weird like orchestral score that like trans then fades into the Kenny Loggins song? I'm all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yeah. So it's like it, it. It's like we're gonna show a nice golf course and everything's prime and proper, and then like then here's this like party song kind of thing, you know? Like yeah, perfect. Well, yeah, it, and then perfect tone setting like introduction to the film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it hits oh, when... People think you've come to see a nice movie about golf. <laughs> you've come to see a wacky comedy. <clears throat> yeah, it hits when uh, Danny Noonan like leaves his house and he gets on his bike and it plays through the opening credits as he's like biking from his house to the golf course. Yeah, um, but the the, but... Uh, the the gopher dances a little before that scene too. Like the the ball, like the animated ball like flies through the air and it says Caddyshack. Right. Like, clearly right, right. added way after they were done with the film. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, this is how we do this. Like, let's yeah. set the tone now. We won't. It's not the Danny show. It's like we're gonna just make some weird silliness and then you know transition. I had uh, one of those stuffed uh, dancing gophers, one of those mechanical dancing gophers. Uh, I had that. My kids loved it, and they loved it so much they ended up uh, destroying it. But you know, maybe I'll get <laughs> they another. Loved one. it too much. Well, <laughs> you don't. You don't love something yeah. unless you destroy it. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. As your kids have shown, um, maybe, maybe you should get, maybe you should get the singing bass fish instead, and you can mount that higher up. So that oh yeah, have that Billy too. Bash? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, the early 2000s. Um, yeah. Should we talk a little box office and kind of, you know, where the movie stands today? Um, let's yeah. talk a little B.O. Yeah, B.O. time. The, uh, the movie came out July 27th, 1980. Uh, the budget, I, I, I saw a few numbers for what the budget was, but somewhere between three to seven million was kind of the average. Yeah, um, I don't know what the exact total was, something like that. But uh, opening weekend, it uh, scored 3.1. It totaled out at uh, 39.8 million. So, uh, you know, a big successful movie. This was, well, here's the thing it, it was financially, I think it did okay. Um, it ended up uh, number two of 1980, right behind Empire Strikes Back. Or, sorry, number two that weekend. Uh, yeah. Behind Empire Strikes Back, um, nothing was going to take that down, but uh, it ends up number twenty of nineteen eighty behind Cheech and Chong's next movie and ahead of <laughs> Brubaker, which is a, a Robert Redford film. Uh, was still trailed behind the Blues Brothers, but the the critics uh, were not kind to this movie. It was it was loathed when it came out. I think people just didn't get it right away. What do you yeah. think? I can see people not getting it in a sense. Uh, it's a little because it is subversive. You know, this is still this this mentality is is not is counterculture. It's it's not mainstream, uh, even though you have like a Rodney in there to like get the older people in or in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then younger people not wanting to see a golfing movie in a sense. I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly the tastes of people at the time. Um that's the thing. I mean, all these comedy people—they're all in their like mid to late thirties at this point, um, or older, uh, or much older—and and you know you have comedy people that you, their parents liked, um, and it's about golf. Like I don't know, a, kind of a right. elite kind of thing. So I can understand, you know, not being have a, a good entry point. And then of course you don't have any young stars that are known. So. There's no one else to like sort of bring those those people in. So I get it. I understand why this was not like like a huge hit in a sense. Still it made its yeah, money, I, but not a huge hit. But Right, right. I mean it definitely made its money and, and then over time I think once it I think really once it hit home video, once the VHS started rolling in, I think that's where it found its its life. Um you know, and it's our age group that really carried this uh, movie and brought it back up to this huge cult status and this i mean more than that even just this huge love for caddyshack that i think still continues i mean it's still got a great reputation it's it's um you know respected by everybody just i think the kind of the style of comedy just didn't i I think people didn't understand what it was for a few years and then by the mid 80s it it because it was definitely popular enough to make a sequel. And sure. um, I remember by the time Caddyshack 2 came out, which is a movie we should definitely talk about at some point, um, you know, Caddyshack was super popular by by 88 already. Right. Well, because wait, yeah. when did Caddyshack 2 come out? 88? Was that? 88, yeah. Yeah. So it was like time to revisit that kind of thing. Uh but like everyone had moved on, you know. So it's like when you have what? Who were the? Is it Robert Stack was sort of the well, Ted Knight character? Well, I mean, you you basically it was sort of a redo of Caddyshack. I mean, there wasn't anything 
new for the movie. The only yeah. uh, actor who comes back is Chevy playing Ty again. And but you have like <clears throat> not as good versions of the other characters. Like Robert Stack is well, Ted right. Ted Knight had passed away by then. So Robert yeah. Stack is like not as good uh, not as good of a version of, of Ted Knight's character. Um, yeah. Jackie Mason, who I never found funny, uh, was a less what? funny version of Rodney. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And Dan Aykroyd is literally Carl Spackler's cousin and also just not very funny. It's like you're doing a pale imitation of, of Spackler. Um, uh, it's just <laughs> and then you've got it was I think Jonathan Silverman was the lead um, you know, replacing the, oh, right. the, the Danny Noonan character. Um, so I, I don't know. Same go, same gopher though. Same gopher. Yeah. I guess the gopher and Chevy came back. Same gopher. (laughs) Yep. Gopher and the Chevy. Well, you know, Um, but I got to give him credit for like waiting eight years. So obviously, yeah, it had a lifespan that, you know, took it to with home video cable, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon television, people like Caddyshack. Let's, let's try it again. Let's try to do. Let's try to recreate that magic. But if you're not bringing back, you know, Harold Ramis, you're not bringing back the old actors. You're not. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough sell. So, they yeah. did their best. We'll <clears throat> one day cover Caddyshack too in our '80s retro um, cinemation. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, like this uh, Caddyshack on its own is is sort of this iconic thing that survives. I think. A little bit better than a lot of things from the '80s, and especially that this is from 1980. Like, there's yeah. still a lot to enjoy, I think, beyond, um, you know, sort of the. There's not a ton of problematic things. We've mentioned them already, but you yeah, know, there's you a few. sort of overlook. You know, like the thing is, like Bill Murray's there's character a- doesn't really work for half the the first half of the movie because all he's doing is ogling these like old women and saying, "Yeah, you know, it's like that's kind of funny, but." I'm, I don't know. I guess that was kind of funny. Like that was this absurd thing where he's this like weird perverted guy. Perversion is funny in the eighties, you know, like we're, you know, I think that's, yeah, but that's is kind it of funny? the crux is it, of the family. Is it funny in 2020? Oh, uh, no. Like I didn't laugh at no. any of that. I'm like, <laughs> no. okay, so yeah. half of his performance isn't any good anymore. You know, I mean, he's good what well, he does, but well, it's not funny. You and know, that's, that's the thing. I mean, we've talked to, We've talked about all the different bits in this movie that really don't hold up in the 2020 for the 2020 crowd, but it's you know like it's not overly heavy-handed like it was in a lot of the other 80s movies. Yeah, you know? like I mean it's there, it's there, and it's kind of littered throughout, but it's not so much where it's like off. It's like off-putting. You know, there's a lot of movies from the 80s where the humor is just now like really off-putting because of because of you know just the change in in you know uh what's acceptable yeah and so you know like this this has some of it but i mean it's not like like i, I mean i'm not going to call movies out right now but there are certainly some 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 that are much more heavy offenders than than sure this movie. oh absolutely yeah. and yeah. and mu- and many movies that came much later than this film in terms of like mm-hmm. You know, sure. Like holding up today, I think like there's the so this one is a little chaste in in a lot of the things that it does, uh, and I don't think is too offensive and and for what it is. You know, it's things that can be overlooked, things that are less in less 
less uh, or, or, or more innocent than could come across, I suppose. Uh, but certainly not something. A yeah. lot of the jokes, it, those jokes, n- you would never do today, just because it doesn't resonate. No one thinks that's funny, um, and it's and we've moved beyond that. So it is. There are moments that it's the sign of the times, but most of the movie is not that. So most of the movie right. is crazy silliness, absurdism, uh, a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is, uh, I think this movie's like a great late night comedy, you know, like you could throw this movie on at 11 o'clock and, and it's a good time. I, th- I think it's, I don't know. I, I, I love uh, grabbing a drink and watching this movie. It's, it's, sure. it's fun. I mean, it, it holds up, I think for, especially for our generation and, and even, you know, some somewhat younger than us are, are, are always going to love it. I, I think, you know, you guys touched on it that I think it's a bit of a tough sell for the 2020 crowd. I mean, there's there's just less less for them to identify with. And all comedy, you know, is is a product of its time. And, and comedy changes so quickly over the years that some of this stuff is hard for it to like be like super funny. But I don't know. I, I hold to the fact that a lot of the subtle things in the movie is what what can really uh, give it a longer life here. Absolutely. It's all basically it's all on Dr. Beeper's shoulders for right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the Dr. Beeper spinoff. I don't know why they didn't make that. Well, we're going to call Warner Brothers right after this and we could pitch Dr. Beeper, uh, you know, this fall on on uh, the WB network is that still a thing? Um, <laughs> yeah. And the animated Caddyshack, the animated sure series. <laughs> I think Caddyshack, the animated series, might there might be a there might be a place in the world for that. Yeah, if they Absolutely. did the real Ghostbusters, I mean, they can do that. Come on. Yeah. I mean, if they did Camp Candy, anybody remember that? Then, Loved then it. why not this? No, John Candy, yeah. very good in that. Very good in that. Yeah. Um, God, what and that's camp, another, you know, candy? well, uh, that's another thing we, we don't have to get into it now, but there's so much, much of like what could have been casting, like, could John Candy have been in this movie? Could Rick Moranis have been in this movie? Like it would just been an interesting experiment to see like what other actors from that time, you know, co- comedians from that time period could have, could have worked as some of these characters, but we'll never know. It's a, we'll, we'll play the what if game another day. Another day is fine. This, I'm missing. This is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm missing me some some Rick Moranis. So I, I'd say at this point, put him in anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got to get him s- out of retirement. Are you saying the three of us are going to do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, soon this year, 2020? I, think so. I don't know. I, I don't I, know. Yeah, maybe. We could do it. Let's let's dust it off. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely dust it off. <laughs> 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 Definitely, let's dust it off. <laughs> How many Jack Burtons, guys? What do you think, Brent? I I defer to you to start this one. Oh, you want me to go first? Thir- right, thirteen, gonna, thirteen gonna, Jack Burtons. Where where do you land? Thirteen's tops. I'm gonna go right down the middle and say like six point five. Ooh, okay. Ooh. all right. Nice, yeah. I'm I'm a seven point yeah. five to an eight, kind of. Yeah, that's me. Uh, it's weird to think of you know out of thirteen Jack Burtons, you know a younger version of me would would probably say twelve or thirteen. Now um, I would I would say probably eight. 
um, Ooh, because yeah. I, you know, I don't know. There's, there, there's, there is stuff that to me just doesn't age. Like I think National Lampoon's Vacation is a movie that ages a lot better than Caddyshack does. Um, I don't know, but there's still yeah, the first one, yeah, yeah, the yeah, first yeah, yeah. one, and and Christmas Vacation. But um, I think those yeah, yeah. Are, are more consistently funny over you know this whole you know thirty years later. Uh, still really funny almost all the way through. Whereas this is a little bit of a, I don't know, stop and start. Like some things just aren't, uh, you know, I, I love Bill Murray so much, but Carl isn't like funny, you know? No, he's not. <laughs> Basically yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, I just, for Bill Murray, like uh, there's just so many more movies that he's in that I like more than this movie. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, yeah. it's it, this. I don't even know if this, like, really ranks in the top 10 of Bill Murray movies for me. Ooh, yeah, wow. Yeah. But okay. it's. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I kind of. Don't, kinda, fact, I'm don't with fact check me. I have to look at, the, <laughs> I have to look at his, his body of work to, yeah. to rank him. But, uh, but I can think of a, a lot off the top of my head that I, that I prefer more. Um, but, yeah, I. For. And then even with with Chevy Chase, there's you know like even though he doesn't have quite the library, like uh, there's others that I like more than yeah. more than this one as well. I don't know. You're yeah, a big Cops and Robertsons fan, aren't you? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> oh this boy! Is All a, right. This is this is a fine movie. <laughs> this is a fine movie. It's mostly uncontroversial. Uh, it definitely is not a comedic tour de force, you know, uh, wall to wall funny, but still a lot to enjoy. Um, definitely something you're not going to see today, which and uh, which I think is refreshing. You know, it's a it's a nice little throwback for people. Who, if mm. you're if you've watched a lot of modern comedy in the last 20 years, you can see the the seeds of that comedy being planted here in Caddyshack. I don't. I think the modern comedy you get today, um, especially out of the Saturday Night Live like kind of uh, culture and crew, you don't get. You don't get to have what you have today if something like Caddyshack doesn't exist. So, um, it it has a special place in that in the in the in that, um, but it, and it works for what it is. And it's a lot of. There's still a lot to enjoy and way more to enjoy than not. So, you know, but still. To be entertained, yeah, I'm gonna still slap it at a, a, a not 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 the highest number. So, um, would I recommend it? I think if you really want to laugh, I don't know if I really would recommend. Oh, you gotta see Caddyshack. But if you're interested in comedy and and where things have gone and come from, yeah, give it a shot. Uh, and then of course, if you yeah. grew up on it, pop it in at any time. I think you're gonna you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I think as like a historical like record like it's definitely worth uh uh watching you know for sure yeah i mean this movie's this movie's on a lot of people's mount rushmore you know it's it's become a very iconic movie and um there's you know i keep repeating it but i think there's a lot of some of the obvious stuff is not as funny anymore but some of the subtle things are funnier so it's a it's a good it's an interesting study in comedy and um, you know, Doug Kenny is is kind of a forgotten, you know, major player in the comedy world from, you know, from the 60s to 1980. And unfortunately, he 
passed away. You know, he went to a big depression after this movie came out and, and he didn't get to see it become the huge, you know, movie that it became over time, but he just read yeah. the initial reviews, went to a huge depression and uh, ended up uh, most likely committing suicide in Hawaii not long after this movie came out. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of documentaries and, and uh, what was the uh, what was the Netflix movie that with uh, Will Forte as as Doug Kenny that they made a few years ago? Did you guys see that? I see. I saw it. Uh, yeah. The title I don't remember. It's like uh, drunk, stoned, and something. A futile and stupid gesture. <laughs> well, no, the drunk and stoned was the documentary, but yeah, uh, but that, right. Oh, was that, that was. Um, but the Will Fer- the Will Forte is futile and stupid gesture. Right. Correct. Right. Is that what you mentioned? Yeah. It's, no? Am I not thinking? Is that what? Yeah. You there's said? two things. There's a documentary that was made about National Lampoons and Doug Kenny, and then that movie, and they both came out around the same yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would recommend checking those out if you're interested in, in the life of Doug Kenny. And, you know, they gets into Caddyshack and what was going on there and, and uh, you know, some of the stuff that we've talked about. But, uh, yeah, not to end it on a, on a downer note, but, uh, yeah, Doug Kenny is uh, someone to, to check out his history in, in comedy. But, uh, and, and as far as the other guys, like yeah. if you're a Bill Murray fan and a Chevy Chase fan, uh, definitely, if you're a Ted or a Rodney fan, you you kind of should see the movie. So, for those that haven't, check it out. And uh, you know, or if if you are a fan, it's I think it's good for a rewatch. But yeah, not as funny as it used to be. But um, yeah, yeah. So great. All right. Well, we have reconcinemized Caddyshack, and and we're moving on. And it's going to be we've got a great lineup coming up uh, down the road here. So. Stay tuned, and everybody check out our, our social media and hit us up on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Reconcinimation Podcast. And don't forget to check us out on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review and anywhere else, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, anywhere uh, you listen to your podcast, you can check us out. And, uh, and there's always www.reconcinimation.com. Check out our library and... Uh, quick thank you to our friends as always ek wimmer for the theme music you can also check out his podcast laser graves um he had a great one recently on space mutiny so if you guys want to check that out or or dance or die or, or uh, um chopping mall you know a lot of a lot of really solid ones in there so check out his show yeah <laughs> and thanks to uh curtis moore for the poster as always and I don't know. Now I'm in the mood to go golfing. If only we could, I would love to do it. I'm going to do it in my mind right now. Do it. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of the studio. The one thing the studio mind, does not have mind golf. is the golf course. I don't know why we never installed it, but maybe one day we'll do that here in the studio. Well, yeah, second well, half of 2020. Behind the parking garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all cool. right. Well, we got to go. We got to work on uh, a couple of shows, the Dr. Beeper show and and Caddyshack, the animated series. So uh, we will see you guys next time on Reconcinimation. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You know who you are. Bye now.
Tuk, 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 tuk.